You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to talk about two muscles. One of the muscles is probably one of the most important muscles, if not the most important muscle in the body. Uh, it's the not the heart. It is the pecs. Uh, it's the pecs. We're going to talk about the pecs, and we're going to talk about the lats, the pecs and the lats. And there is a reason why I'm talking about those two together. But before I get into the reason, let's actually talk about the muscles. Now, y'all know that I love me some etymology. So let's talk about pectoralis. It's just the pectoralis major. Pectoralis is Latin, which means of the breast. I don't know why it sounded a little like, like British kind of right there, but I just feel like if you say of the breast, then you need to add a little accent for no reason in particular. And then the word major. Major, the... That word really means great or more important, large or principal. And it's simply talking about great or pectoralis major versus the minor. And we're not really going to talk about the pec minor today, but we're just saying this is of the breast. This is the larger, the more principal of the two pectoralis muscles. Well, the word pec slangs first was ever seen in like documentation in 1966. And the word pec has lasted. It's not necessarily how we refer to it in anatomical terms, but it is the shortening of the word and it makes sense. So we use it. Those are the pecs. Well, let's talk about proximal and distal attachments. Remember, a lot of times these were referred to as origin insertion. I like to use proximal and distal. Proximal means closer to the center. Distal means farther out. So the proximal attachment is the medial half of the clavicle. The clavicle is the collarbone. So the medial half of the clavicle, from halfway the clavicle towards the sternum, and that's where it attaches to. There is a mandibular and sternal attachment. The this is a right here, or mandibular, jeepers creepers, the manubrium, the mandibular, that would not be good. If my pecs attached to my jaw, I'd be in trouble. The manubrium, which is the top bone, the top section of the sternum, it's got this little U-shaped place where you can place your finger right there, follow the sternum all the way down. And then there are some some rib attachments. So the ribs, it's going to be the cartilage of ribs one through six, and it even attaches to the external oblique aponeurosis, which is just the, the flat tendinous tissue of the external obliques. Now, where does it attach to distally? Well, all of these work to, it's a fan-shaped muscle. So as you can see, based off of all of its kind of proximal attachments, but they all, as it fans out, it gets closer and closer together and then re goes into a tendon and it attaches to the crest of the greater tubercle of the humerus close to this intertubercle groove and that right there, kind of this proximal portion of the humerus, a little bit medial on the humerus and that's where it attaches to. Well, let's talk about what the pectoralis major does. What are the joint actions for the pecs? Well, 
Let's go, let's talk about planes of motion first. So let's talk about sagittal plane. In the sagittal plane, so that is if I keep my elbows touching my body and I move them forward like this, so I'm going into, uh, I'm moving back and forth like a like somebody running their arms, it's flexion and extension. Well, what muscle does it, what joint action does it do concentrically in the sagittal plane? Well, this is like if you did a sagittal plane push-up which is a close grip push-up, you keep the elbows squeezed to your body and you push away, then your elbows are going to keep in tight and you're going to be doing this in the sagittal plane and that's going to be shoulder flexion, shoulder flexion. Well, you might feel this a lot when you do it this way and that's because of another joint action that's taking place. You are actively adducting your elbow you're keeping it close to your body, you're going into adduction, which the pec does too. Uh, <coughs> shoulder adduction. I remember when I was a kid, there was there was a wrestler named Hulk Hogan, and he would tear off his tiny little shirt off of his gigantic muscly body, and then he would go, ah, and he would bring his arms together, and that was not to show off his calves. That was to show off his pecs as he squeezed his arms down together. That is frontal plane, a deduction. Well, if we keep the elbows tight while doing a sagittal plane push-up or a bench press or dumbbell press, then we are also working in the frontal plane. But when I say working in the frontal plane, that's almost isometrically keeping them here in the frontal plane, but we can also add up. We can do these cable crossovers and we can do that in the frontal plane and that's going to work our pecs. You can also do those cable crossovers in the transverse plane. In the transverse plane, the transverse plane is where a lot of the ranges of motion, a lot of the joint actions we see, the majority of them, when we do pec exercises. Like a standard bench press. The elbows are out to the side. They're away, they're abducted away from my body and I'm pushing forward and bringing it back. Well, a lot of times people go, well, why is that not the sagittal plane? Because your hand's going forward, the hand's going back. That's sagittal plane movement. But it's not hand actions, it is joint action. So you have to look at what's going on at the shoulder. And if I took like a, a pen and I hung, I put it on top of my shoulder and I did a bench press, you could see that that shoulder joint is rotating around that pen. In fact, if I stopped doing the elbow movements, the flexion and extension, so no extension. So as I press out into extension, instead of flexing my elbows, I'm just going to move my shoulders and it's a fly. And you can see how it is the exact same joint action at the shoulder, a chest press, a bench press, and a fly. So that is that is horizontal adduction concentrically. Let me say also, this is, this is a little confusing sometimes to people, and I'll say, well, when we talk about muscles concentric action, that is the lift, that is the win against gravity. It is when muscles shorten to lift or to create locomotion. So if you're doing a bench press, and then I say, okay, well, in a bench press, as I push forward, I know it's my pecs concentrically pushing that bar off my chest, but when I lower it back down, what muscle is working to keep that bar from landing on my chest? And so many times people will say, oh, that's uh, like your mid traps and rhomboids are the muscles between the shoulder blades or your rear delts. 
And that's not true. Like my the the bench press, the weight on the barbell does not need any assistance landing on my chest. What muscle is lowering it down, not what muscle is yanking it down on top of me, accelerating faster than gravity, but what muscle is slowly lowering it to my chest? Well, my pecs are. My pecs are concentrically producing force to lift it, and they are eccentrically producing force to lower it, to decelerate it, which is why after, if you're working with somebody and they're spotting you, and they say, <laughs> excuse me, like uh, maybe they get a few more, I'm going to help you on the lift and you have to lower them down. Well, they're not saying let's practice lowering it down so we can work your posterior muscles. They're saying let's let's get the negatives, let's get the eccentrics in so we get more work for the pecs because your eccentric ability lasts longer than your concentric ability. You're stronger eccentrically, you're able to produce force longer eccentrically. But we also know that that is where most soreness takes place. So just be aware, particularly with a new client, uh, negatives may not be the best thing if you're starting out with somebody and it's their first time lifting or first time lifting in a long time. So pump the brakes on that. We've got one more joint action in the transverse plane. That is going to be shoulder internal rotation. So remember, the pec crosses over the shoulder and it can internally rotate, medially rotate the the shoulder joint and so <laughs> i've got several joint actions here so i've got sagittal plane flexion frontal plane adduction transverse plane horizontal adduction and transverse plane internal medial rotation it decelerates all of those joint actions it accelerates the ones that we just spoke about all right well that's for the pecs, but now let's move into the lats. Well, lats come the, well, let's talk about the real name. So the lats is short for latissimus dorsi, and latissimus means broadest or widest. So it's a really broad or wide muscle on the dorsi, dorsal on the back. So it is the widest muscle of the back. Well, let's talk about proximal and distal attachments. Proximal attachments, the thoracolumbar fascia. If you look at somebody, if you look at, uh, I'm trying to think of those anatomy charts that you would see where it's like, here are the muscles. Then you've got on the very back, there's this in the low back where the, uh, the lumbar spine is, you see this almost like a Christmas tree looking of white that the lats sprout up off of. That's called the thoracolumbar fascia or the thoracolumbar aponeurosis. And the lats branch up off of that, which means that that proxy, they attach to everything that the thoracolumbar fascia attaches to via that fascia, because that fascia is a tendon for the lats. So that's how it attaches to the lumbar spine. Well, it does also directly attach to lumbar vertebrae. Uh, the lower four ribs, which are going to be ribs 9 through 12, the crest of the ilium, and the inferior angle of the scapula. So as it comes up and goes towards our um, humerus, it's going to clip the inferior angle of the scapula, and then it's going to go under the armpit. It's going to go under the armpit and attach to the proximal anterior medial humerus into this intertubercle or bicipital groove or bicipital sulcus, which is 
almost exactly where the pec attaches to. It attaches almost the exact same spot that the pectoralis major attaches to. Well, now let's look at some joint actions that it does here. The most common one, the most thing that we, the thing that we see the most in the frontal plane. Let's look at the frontal plane. We'll break it down by planes first. We started sagittal with the pecs because uh, I don't know what we're going to start with the frontal plane, but this is the most common that we see is a lat pull down. So I get my arms up overhead and I grab the bar and then I pull my arms down to my side. And that is frontal plane adduction. I am bringing my arm closer to my body in the frontal plane. That's adduction, shoulder adduction. Well, also in the frontal plane, um, you might see some, it can assist with downward rotation of the scapula. Also, there's a transitional movement. It can help to depress the scapula. Uh, let's move in. So we got sagittal plane now. So sagittal plane, you think about um, rows, right? Sagittal plane rows, keeping the elbows close to the body. So the elbows are adducted in close to the body. Usually a neutral grip or a supinated grip. As we go into a pronated grip, it tends to make the elbows come up higher. Uh, and that would then be more similar to a transverse plane movement. But if I keep my elbows in tight to my body, I'm going into shoulder extension. As I reach forward, I'm decelerating shoulder flexion, pulling back into extension as I bring those handles closer to my body and then decelerating shoulder flexion. So this is, as I reach forward, is shoulder flexion, but also if I just kept going up over my head, that is also shoulder flexion. So if you're in class and you raise your hand, I got a question, that's shoulder flexion. Got a question, arms up, shoulder flexion. Got a question, shoulder flexion. Arm goes over the head, that's shoulder flexion. As your arm comes back down in the sagittal plane, that is shoulder extension. It's not how we often think of it, right? If I extend my arm overhead, but that's anatomically not what we do. We flex our arm overhead. We extend it when we put it back down. Transverse plane. Well, I've got a couple of joint actions that it could potentially help do in the transverse plane. Um, one is it can do medial rotation. So remember, it, it comes around the, the back of the rib cage and attaches to the anterior medial portion of the proximal humerus. Ooh, that's a that's a mouthful of anatomical jargon. It attaches to the anterior medial portion of the proximal humerus. Anterior's front, medial is the inside, and proximal means closer to uh, where it attaches to the body. And it does internal rotation or medial rotation. All right. Well, when I look at that and I say, well. That's that's what it does in transverse plane. What else can it do in the transverse plane? And the, the truth of the matter is it could potentially assist with retraction of the scapula. So when we're doing rows and things like that, then you can further work the lats a little bit by adding in that retraction. It's not 100% all in solely mid-traps and rhomboids. It's primarily that, but your lats help with it too. So actually cueing that can also get your lats to work a little bit more, which means that my lats help to decelerate lateral rotation, can help to decelerate a little bit in protraction as well. Now, this is really the more interesting part of this conversation, which is we generally think about lats 
and pecs being opposing muscle groups. And, and, and I brought this up and I got really deep into the weeds with this in one of my graduate level classes. And I, I made the statement that these are not opposing muscle groups. And my professor, I don't know if it was um, a way to save face or if it was just a means of simplifying something that I had complicated. He basically said, well, one pushes, one pulls, and those are opposing. And I was like, that's true. And I backpedaled a little bit. But can we look at the joint actions? Can we look at the joint actions? Because what we think about opposing muscle groups aren't necessarily opposing and their ability to balance out joint actions or balance out planes of motion. So let's look at this. The pec major, we talked about the pecs, and let's talk about one of the joint actions that it does. One of the joint actions that the pec major does is internal rotation. So if they're opposing muscle groups, then the lats do external or lateral rotation, right? Wrong. Pecs and lats do internal rotation. They have the same joint action. They both do internal rotation. So they're not opposing muscle groups there. Well, what about, we talked about pecs and uh, Hulk Hogan, right? Doing that, that adduction, showing off his pecs. So in the frontal plane, adduction. He does adduction, shows off his pecs, which means the lats in opposing muscle group would be abductors, right? No, no, they are both adductors. They both adduct. Remember, in the frontal plane, we reach overhead, we do our lat pull down, we use our lats. In fact, if you've ever done lat pull downs after having a pretty significant chest day and you try to do lat pull downs with sore pecs, I guarantee you that you realize how much your pecs are involved in lat pull downs because of how much you feel that muscle while it's sore being worked. They both do adduction at the shoulder. So instead of being opposing muscle groups there, they have that joint action in common. What about Oh, I know one for the pecs, the primary one that we do, horizontal adduction, like a bench press. So the lats must do horizontal abduction. No, no, they, they don't really. They don't have a huge movement arm in horizontal abduction. If we keep that strictly in the transverse plane, there's a reason why uh, doing flies like that are called rear delt flies. And a lot of times exercise historically uh, uh, aren't historically accurate, but in this case they are rear delt flies, or in fact, these rear flies that focus on your rear delts, they're not called rear lat flies for a good reason. They don't work the lats really. So if the pecs do horizontal adduction, the lats do horizontal abduction. No, they don't. They're they're not a contributor really to that. Well, what about another one? I know my my lats do extension, and no, oh, my pecs do flexion, like a close grip push up or a close grip dumbbell chest press. All right, we found one. We found one where those two joint actions balance each other out. So when I look at this, I don't look at the pecs and the lats being really significantly opposing muscle groups. I'm going to say if you're doing, um, if you want to balance out muscles, you want to balance out joint actions, you want to balance out planes of motion. In a transverse plane, if I push forward 
I want to pull for, pull back to balance that out, I'm going to be doing a high row. I'm going to be doing a rear delt row to balance that out. If I do a lat pull down, I'm going to do a shoulder press to balance that plane of motion or that joint action out. If I'm doing internal rotations, I do external rotations to balance that out. There is a reason why so many people are protracted, internally rotated, is because so many times we do push-pull routines, but we don't balance out the joint actions. We don't balance out the planes of motion, and we start to get people more into their protracted, internally rotated states because both your pecs and your lats can help to contribute to, to some of those. All right. So what would be a good balancing act? Well, a lot of times the, the delts are, and the delts can work in so many different ways because of the different angles that the, the deltoids work on uh, the shoulder joint. And we might spend some time talking about that at some other time. We'll get into the delts at some other time, but I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to entertain this conversation, to listen about some of the biomechanics of the push and pull and the lats and the pecs and how they're not necessarily balancing each other out, but maybe one does push and the other does pull. And that in some ways is uh, a push-pull but it's not a balanced push-pull, which might mean that we need to pay a little closer attention to it. Thank you so much for, for listening. Like, share, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family so that they're familiar with the podcast and then get some of these little nuggets as well. Uh, you can reach out to me if you got questions. You can hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickrichie or you can email me at rick.richie, R-I-C-H-E-Y, at nasm.org. Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.